Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I was just like, there's so much in here. You could probably preach, you could preach 10 sermons out of this one chapter, but I'm going to read it to you anyway today and just bomb you with the whole thing. <clears throat> so just bear with me. Enjoy it. Like I'd talk to you. It says the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds in way of remembrance. He wants to stir up your mind, remembering things, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come, and I'm hearing a lot of ring out here. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Like how many of you ever heard, Jesus is coming back one day. Jesus is coming back. How many people walk, up, walk around every day going, where is this coming? They've been saying that for years. They've been saying it for years. It ain't happened. This is what he's talking about. He said, but for this, they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God, the heavens of old, that word is not like a word spoken, but it's the logos. It's the thought. It's the mind, the plan, the intention of God. That the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. There was dry land and there was water. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. He's talking about Noah. But the heavens and the earth, which now are, by the same word, by the same thought, plan, intention of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us for it, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's waiting on us, and he's waiting on us because of what happened. He don't want that to happen as it did in the days of Noah to you and I. He wants us to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, okay, even though that is his will and his desire for each and every person to come to repentance, that's his long suffering to us. That's his mercy and his grace towards us. He said, even though, but, even if that's happening, but still, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, all this stuff you see with your eyes is going to be gone. You, me, the chairs, this building, everything you ever lay your eyes on, one day it's going to be gone. It's going to be dissolved by fire, by the hand of God. And then since that's happening, what manner of persons are you to be in all holy conversation, in all your holy lifestyle, and in godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? How many of you are looking for that day? Now, it's easy to say that, but are you looking for it? 
wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, make sure you're looking for such things, be diligent. That means to hasten, to make haste, to endeavor, be diligent, that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. That long-suffering word is there again. His patience is with us. Why? Because that is salvation for us right now. I know that doesn't give us salvation, but it gives us the opportunity to obey the gospel where salvation comes. And it gives you the opportunity to get your life right before God if you've got something going on that's going to cause you to not make it into eternity with him. The long-suffering of our God is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, so according to the wisdom hath given, uh, given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Words that are spoken by God. Scripture that men and women that are unlearned, and they take that word and they rest with it, they wrestle with it. They, they, they rip it around and they do things with it. And they do that to the scriptures unto their own destruction. Just like Satan took the scripture and used it with Eve and twisted it around and caused all of us to be cursed. You better be careful who you're listening to. You better be careful who you're listening to. You better make sure you're going before God. Seeking his face, seeking his will, seeking after him and his word. Not what men and people say to you, because they'll twist that word. They'll twist it. Good people. Ah, and they'll twist that word. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, beware, lest you also. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Beware, lest you also, being led, led away with their error, the wicked, with the deceit, with the distraction, with the, the drawing away of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But instead, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen and amen and amen. You better pay attention to who you're talking to. That's just a side note. That's not where I'm going today, but I'm throwing that in there. There's a lot of people out there. You got to watch what they're telling you. You got to watch who you're letting influence your life. Amen. So, I'm going to talk to you guys for a while today as on this thought, as if it was your last. As if it was your last. I, I heard this statement at the conference we just went to there in Connecticut, Winter Fire. Old preacher man went up there and he started preaching. He, he didn't really say much about it, but he, he said that he said that he walked to, he was at a church ministering there, and he walked up, and the pastor of that church had wrote on the pulpit as if it was your last. When he said that, God just rocked me. Just shook something in my spirit. Because I don't know how many times we think the things we're doing, this may be the last time it ever gets done. 
You know, I know what I know what Ian was saying. We don't know. You don't know if you're going to get up tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to get another chance to talk to that coworker. Amen. You don't know. On August 6, 1945, for the majority of the world, this was just another day. But much of the world had been in war for years. This had become their norm. In the war, ravaged cities of Europe, Africa, Russia, and the Pacific Islands, war had become the daily reminder of the struggle that so many had taken part in, and so many lives had been taken, and all some 75 million people would die in that war. More than half of them, or double of, uh, more than half of them were citizens. For these countries, the destruction that's been so prevalent in, the, in their daily lives has become the norm. The constant threat of death has ceased to terrify many, and they wake on this morning and begin going about their business just as they had been doing every other day. They have seen much and they've lost much. But there are two countries that are very, very heavily invested in the war, and mostly they've been fighting each other in the brutal battles all across the Pacific. But their families on the homeland, they don't really see and experience the war like some of the European countries are. The fighting takes place for their boys in distant areas. The carnage of war doesn't touch their cities and their homes outside of the sacrifice of goods and comfort and their sons. They don't don't wake this morning to the destruction and chaos that so many others are waking to that day. They've been spared that. So on this day, yes, the people in North America and on the island of Japan, they wake knowing the war is going on. Knowing the war is costing so much in their own personal lives because of the sacrifices being made at home and the many families that have been touched by the death of a loved one, but they wake on this day just as if it was any other day. The war had been going on for years, and this was what war cost them. They, too, have become used to the effects of war. So many wake that morning and do what they do every day. Maybe they take some time to pray to their God. Some just rush in the kitchen to begin preparing the meager food they have to eat that day for their family, being thankful that they even have that. They wake their children to begin getting them ready to go through their day. Others are preparing for work. Some are even going to work, kissing their spouses and their children goodbye as they leave. There are are things that need to be accomplished that day, and they, they begin planning and ordering their day, the daily routine that they've become used to. It's just another day to survive, and to get through the best they can. Their morning moving along just like the days before it, people going about doing their thing, getting the day going. But for many on August 16th, 1945, that day was not going to be just another day. As men and women everywhere were living out their daily routines, a plane flew over the island of Japan en route to the city of Nagasaki. Nagasaki was a shipbuilding center, and there were many men and women hard at work that morning, just as they had been so many days before, working to help uh, propel the the war machine forward, just as they had done. They were living their lives and doing their thing, not knowing that this day was going to be different than every other day they had ever lived before. As those men and women worked away, as the children went to their schools, as people killed, cared for their homes and their businesses all over that city, the plane flew high overhead. They probably didn't even have no clue that that plane was up there. It was so high. 
At 11.02 a.m., the bomb inside that plane was dropped. It detonated 16,000 feet above the city and it unleashed the equivalent force of 22,000 tons of TNT. Most were barely able to look to the sound of the explosion before its force reached them, killing them instantly. And they were probably the lucky ones. The effects of the explosion and the radiation would take the lives of more than uh, over the following days. And all 129,000 people would die from this one act. 129,000 people. For them, and all in the city on August 16, 1945, it started off as just another day. But it did not end that way. So many woke that day, even in the midst of the ravaging war that had been going on for years, and they woke not expecting that day to be their last day. And they did what they always do. And when the bomb came floating out of the midst of the sky, and once they realized what was going on, it was too late. It was too late. There was no option B for what was about to happen. There was no, well, we will just deal with this today, and hopefully tomorrow will be better because we know that the sunshine comes in the morning on the darkest of nights. Their lives on this earth were forever extinguished on that day. There was no second chances. They didn't have time to make things right with their family members. They didn't have time to make things right with their spouse or their children. They didn't have time to make things even right with their God. They would never have the opportunity to fix the things in their lives that they knew they needed to fix. And all of the things that they had took for granted in life were stripped away from them in an instant. That day, unbeknownst, almost every person was going to be their last day. And for every one of you, under the sound of my voice, there's going to come a day, and that day won't be like any other day for you, for on that day, you too will leave this fleshly tabernacle called a body, and the real you, the person inside you, the person who you really are, will step into eternity. And on that day, just like all of those on Nagasaki on August 14th, 19, or on August 6th, 1945, just like on that day, you too will not get any more second chances to make the things in your life right. You too will not be able to heal your relationships. You will not be able to apologize to that person and for Forgive them. You will not be able to make things right with your God. And just like they didn't know that day was the day for them, most of us probably won't know what day that is going to be for us. Jesus said in Luke 12, 39, he said, and this, no, if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and he wouldn't have suffered that thief to break into his house. Thieves don't call you up and say, hey, I'm coming to break into your house at 3 o'clock in the morning. If they did, you'd sit up and wait for them. But we don't know if a thief is coming to our house. They don't make an announcement. So we go to bed every night, just like we always do. And maybe a thief comes to your house, maybe he don't. If he does, you're probably not wait, waiting up watching for him because you don't know what night he's going to come. He said, he said, the good man of the house, if he had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye, oh God, be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. 
My God, my God, Jesus is going to call your number on a day and an hour when you think not. He's going to come for you when you don't expect it. He's going to come for you when you don't know it's going to happen. That could be him allowing something to take you out of this life on an on a earthly way or him calling you out himself. But either way, it's going to happen. Either way, it's going to happen to each and every one of us in here. Every one of you listening to my voice, it's going to happen. And I have to be ready. I have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready because you don't know when that day is. But see, we as humans, we've got a problem. We've got, we got this problem. It's hard for us to think that way. Who wakes up and goes, well, today very well could be my last day. How many of you do that? Not too many people. Maybe, maybe I'll get COVID and die. Maybe today I'll get in a wreck and die. Maybe today I'll have a heart attack and die. Maybe today Jesus will return. Who does that? Very few, if any people do that. Even deathly ill people have a hard time accepting that they may just die at any time. And even if those who don't have a hard time with it, uh, they don't know exactly the hour that that's going to happen to them. So we just live our lives day in and day out, just doing our thing, going through the motions, living our lives, going through the routines of everything we do every day. And there are things we plan to take care of and things we know we need to take care of, but we push them off because we figure we will take care of it later. But then that unexpected day comes. And we haven't prepared for it. We spent a lot of time preparing for the next day in this life. In this life. By building our kingdom and taking care of our pleasures. And everything that is important to us here in this life. But we've not really prepared for that day. The last day that's going to come upon each and every one of us at some point. And all the stuff we've been focused on in our daily routine here. In our lives, it just doesn't really matter anymore. When you get to that day, nothing else is going to matter except for what's getting ready to happen to you when you take that next breath. Everything that we've been focused on every other day will just not matter anymore. But we spend so much time focused on the future, but not eternity. We spend a lot of time focused on our future, but not eternity. We spend a lot of time focused on what our future holds in this life, but not the one that's going to come on that day, not eternity. And so we do things to build up this kingdom here in our lives, and we, we live knowing that God is merciful, and God is grace, and God is love. And I know I have this sin in my life, but God's allowed me to wake up every other day with this sin in my life, so today will be no different. I know I need to quit doing some things in my life, and I need to start doing other things in my life. I know I need to make some things right with both God and man, but I knew that yesterday also. Just like I knew it the day before that. And here I am on Sunday morning hearing the word preached again. And for many of you, you're sitting in your living rooms and you're not even really connected to the body anymore. But it's okay. God's allowed me another Sunday. Things are starting to die down a bit with COVID. Maybe next week or the week after that, I'll get back to the body. Maybe I'll, I'll plan to go back on Easter Sunday. That would be a good day to go back. Some of you sitting in here right now. 
And you're thinking, I'm, I'm thankful that God's allowed me to come before his presence one more time. But I'm just not quite ready to give that thing up in my life or make that change. I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it soon. I, soon I'll do it. I know I need to do it. Soon I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll just keep doing my thing for a little while longer. And then God will let me make it right with him at some point. I know, I know he will because he's a God of mercy and he's a God of grace. But none of us knows the day that will be our last day. You don't know if you'll ever get the chance again. You don't know if you'll ever have another day. You don't know where Jesus is going to call you from this life into eternity. You don't know. So you have to live every day as if it was your last. Ah, you got to live every day as if it was your last. You have to treat every Sunday as if it was your last. You have to treat every prayer as if it was your last. You have to treat every opportunity to make those things in your life right. You need to make right as if it was your last because it very well may be. It very well may be. It very well may be. Today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. My God, I plead with you. I plead with you. Take care of the things in your life you need to take care of. Get before God today. And you know those things in your life. Get before God today and take care of them. Cast them down. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. Get yourself right with God. And if you're hearing me today and you've never been born again in the water and spirit, if you've never obeyed the gospel, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and been filled with the, the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, today is the day of salvation. God's bringing the gospel to you. Make it up to me in your mind that today I'm going to make sure I'm right with my God. The Bible says you shall not enter into or even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again of water and of spirit. It don't matter how much you believe. It don't matter how much you love. It don't matter any of that stuff. First and foremost, you must be born again. We'll baptize you. We'll baptize you. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't take your days for granted. Don't find yourself unprepared like the good men of the house. Quit living like you will always have the opportunity to take care of the things in your life that will affect your eternity. And live this day and every day as if it was your last. Live every day not preparing and planning for your future in this life, but the one to come because you don't know, you don't know. It very well may be your last opportunity. God, please, God, please hear what I'm saying to you. Don't take God's grace and his mercy for granted. Don't treat it as if it will always be there. Because today may be the last day you're covered under his grace and his mercy. Uh, we got to quit messing around with God. we got to quit making the uh, excuses of why we don't do this and why we don't do that. And we know we need to do it. You have to quit messing around with God. Repent. Oh, God, repent. Your day is coming. It's going to come as a thief in the night. It's going to come as a thief in the night. Make sure you've prepared your house for the master's return. 2 Peter 2.1 But there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you. Again, you better pay attention to who you're listening to. Who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Even deny the Lord. Now I truly think this is backslidden Church people. Because he says, those that were bought, that the Lord bought them. Denying the Lord that bought them. 
I don't know. I could be wrong. I didn't do a big study on it. But that's what I feel in my spirit. You got to be careful who you're listening to. And they, by doing what they're doing, are bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That's why I think they're backslidden people, because they knew the truth, and they took the truth, and they distorted it, and they used it just like Satan did with Eve. And he took the word of God, and he distorted it, and he got Eve to fall. Amen. And there's people out there, there's people out there that'll do the same to us. You got to be careful who you're listening to. You got to be careful who you're allowing to influence your life. And through covetousness shall they, with feigned words, make merchandise of you. That's what they want. They want to pull you out too. Because then they feel good about themselves and they feel okay about themselves and their lifestyles. Whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not in their damnation, slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast, down, cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and he spared not the old world, but Noah and his family, eight people. Everyone else, God spared not. Every one of them died, except those eight people. There was Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness. And God, God brought the flood upon the world, the ungodly. I feel like Noah right now. I feel like I'm standing here telling you, you better get ready. You better get ready. There's going to come a day. I don't know when that day's coming, but it's coming. The boat is the only thing that will save you. You see this boat I'm building. Once it's finished, we know it's coming. When you see the signs unfolding, you better recognize the times and the seasons. Anybody see the times? You see the seasons. You better quit living every day as if they would never end and prepare yourself for that day. But they wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't listen to him. They just kept going on about their business, doing their things, living their lives, doing what they wanted. And every day they woke, they could see that boat over there being built. And they could hear the preacher of righteousness cried out to them, you better take care of what you need to take care of. You better get your life in order. You better get your life in order. And they didn't listen. And they didn't recognize the sign right in front of them. But even that, they probably got comfortable seeing that boat day in and day out, year after year, as Noah preached to them. Even when the boat was completely built, they didn't recognize and they just kept living their lives how they pleased. But God, oh God, there came a day. There came a day. And on that day, no one except no one and his family awoke to it as if it was their last. On that day, the Bible says that no one and his family went into that boat, that place of safety, and the Lord shut the door. The Lord sealed that boat up. The door was shut, and it was sealed by God. There were no warnings. There were no sirens going off. There wasn't an alert on their iPhone. God just shut the door. And I can see the people. I can just see them. So they're standing there. They're in the middle of nowhere. In those days, God didn't pour rain on the earth. The, the Bible says that it was, it was watered by a mist that would come every morning. The mist would settle on the earth and bring water and water everything. And these people were probably standing there, and those first raindrops started to fall, and they were probably like, wow, this is something else. 
this is awesome. This is going to start bringing water from my crops. This is going to start bringing water to my animals. This is going to bring water for me. Wow, this is pretty cool. But then the water starts picking up. It starts to dry more and more. And after some time, they're sitting there and they're going, whoa, this is pretty intense. This ain't just some little nice little rainstorm going on. It's a deluge falling from heaven. And they're, they, they're running in their homes and they're, they're grabbing their children up because they're starting to realize something's not right. This may not be good. And then not even that, the ground begins to open up and the fissures of water come out and that water really starts rising. And next thing you know, they're not just having muddy feet. That water's up to their knees like that. And they're standing there and they're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we, I'm going to grab my kids. i got to get my wife. i got to get my family. i got to protect them. i got to take care of them. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the top of the house. That's the highest point I know. Or maybe there's a, a cliff out there, and I'm going to run out there and try to get to the top of it. And hopefully that water won't rise up enough, but the water kept rising. And the water kept rising. And eventually it overtook everything that they were standing on. And they watched their family members and their friends go underneath that water and drown. And undoubtedly... There was people sitting there and they seen that boat off in the distance that that preacher had been preaching about to them for 120 years. And they began to try to get to it. And undoubtedly, some of them made it to that boat. And when they got there, though, the door was shut. The door was shut. And that door had been shut by God. And I'm sure they probably clawed. And they and at the sides of that boat, they did everything they could to hold on to it as it rose in that water. But it was too late. They didn't wake that day knowing it was going to be their last. But it was. And for every one of us in here, there's going to come a day, my God. And we probably won't know when that day is going to be. And that day is going to come upon you like a thief in the night. And since you don't know what day that is, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. You ain't invincible. It could be 50 years from now. You don't know when that's coming. So you better live every day. You better live every day, every moment, as if it was your last. Amen. You better take every moment that God gives you to make things right with him as if it was your last moment to make things right with him. You better get, make sure that you take every opportunity that God gives you to obey the gospel as if it was your last opportunity to obey the gospel because it may be. Because you are not guaranteed another opportunity and another day. Oh, your life's but a vapor, the Bible says. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. When God shuts the door, the door will be shut. If you haven't prepared for that day, you will be locked out. And there won't be another moment for you to make things right in your life. There won't be another moment for you to take care of those issues that are there. There won't be another moment for you to make things right with your your spouse or that person or that coworker or whatever. God gave grace and mercy for 120 years. That's what it took Noah to build the boat, 120 years. But there came a day, there came a day when God's grace and his mercy were removed and he shut the door. No more grace, no more mercy, only judgment. Hear me, somebody. God's pleading with you today. Don't take my grace for granted. This is the moment I have given you. This is the moment. Don't let it be your last. Don't let it be your, take care of what you need to take care of. Come on, somebody, come on. Ah, what is God speaking to you right now? 
What is God speaking to you right now? When this world holds you so captivated that you aren't willing to hear me right now, God's saying, the sins of your flesh, your rebellion, your own kingdom building, the fear of death that binds your heart and mind. I'm not, I'm not preaching about death really right now. All this death I'm talking, I'm not preaching about death. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's about the finality that death brings and our aloofness towards it that causes us to be willing to go another day knowing we're not ready for eternity. But thinking we'll just have another chance to make it right or do that thing. We need to do it at other times. I'll get another opportunity to share Jesus with that coworker that the Holy Ghost keeps telling me to go talk to. I'll get another chance to invite that kid at school to do a Bible study. I don't feel it right now, so I'll just, I'll just push it. I'll do it another time. One of these other moments, I'll feel the Holy Ghost move me, and I'll step out in faith and boldness and ask them. There'll be another service next Sunday, so I'll just go then. Now, I'll, I'll wait till the Sunday after that to repent and to be born again. It'll be okay. I'll get another chance to forgive that person. I'll, uh, not now. I'm upset. I'm not going to forgive him right now. I'm mad at him. Not now. I'll start praying more tomorrow. Maybe the next day I'll start praying more. Sometime this week I'll start. I know I need to. Just let me, just let me make so much money and then I can really start focusing on building God's kingdom instead of my own. It's not death that should ever concern you. It's not death that should ever concern you, but the finality of death is what should concern you. Because when that happens, the door will be shut forever. There's no going back to make things right. Why, sir? Why, ma'am, are you not living this day as if it was your last? Why are you at home not treating this service as if it was your last opportunity to be in the service? Why are you in here not doing it? What is it in your flesh and in this world that has you so bound up that you aren't willing to realize that today could be your last opportunity to get ready for that door being shut in your life? We need to wake every morning understanding I have to live this day, this day, as if it was my, my last. I have to live this day as if it was my last. Everything I put my hand to, I have to put my hand to it as if this was going to be the last opportunity I had to put my hand to it because I don't know what the day holds. So I'm going to live as if it was my last. I'm going to get up and pray because it may be the last day that I get to. I'm going to love God and fellowship with him every day as if it was my last day that I was ever going to get to. I'm going to reach somebody with the love of Jesus today because it may be the last day that I can. I'm going to love my family as if it was the last day I was going to be able to. I'm going to make things right with that person because it may be my last day too. I'm going to repent of my sins today. Today as if it was my last chance to. You have to live your life every day as if it was your last. Not in fear and trepidation. That's not what I'm talking about. But knowing that you have to take care of everything you need to today. As if today was your last chance to take care of it. Because you don't know. i got to preach every sermon as if it's going to be my last. Because it very well may be. I can't take it for granted. I can't think to myself, well, I'll take it easy this week because I'll make up for it next week. No, I have to seek God and I got to preach his word, every word that he gives me to preach to you as if it was my last time to share the word with you.
Praise team, every time you get up to lead worship, every time you get to get up to lead us in praise, you better do it as if it was going to be your last time to do it. Teachers, when you teach your classes, teach that class as if it was going to be your last time that you would ever have the chance to speak to that child. Dream team, serve like it was your last time every day. Saints, when you come in here, ah, when you come in here, come in here with a mindset as if this was the last time you were ever going to get together with the body of Christ and be able to lift up your God and stand in his presence and hear the word of God preached to you. Be intentional. Be intentional. If you're, you're blessed to get up tomorrow and to go to school or a job, oh God, do it as if it was your last day to do it. Don't push things off when God's moving in the Holy Ghost. Just talk to that person. Talk to, pray for God to give you strength, boldness to do it. Just step out and do what God's leading you to do. Don't push it off because you might not get another chance to do it. My God, be intentional about what you're doing for Jesus this day as if it was your last. Ah, oh, man. If we all did that and everything we did, if we all had that mindset every day, no matter what we were doing, is that this was going to be the last opportunity I had. Man, what would God do with us? What could God do? He could do anything he wanted with you and through you and in you, my God. And in this, he'll blow the roof off this city if this church will get a hold of that. That's what he wants to do. That's what he desires to do. And he wants to do it through you and through me. But we got to let him do it. And not put it off and be like, oh, God, I know you're telling me to do this and do that and do this. And, ah, you know, not right now. I think I'll, uh, you know, whatever. Sit and watch Netflix for three hours. Or, you know, maybe I'll step out tomorrow and sit with him at the lunch table at school or whatever. Ah. Uh, What's God telling you to do? What's God telling you to do? What's God telling you to do right now? Don't hold back. As if you were guaranteed another opportunity to respond to him. Do what he's asking you. What if this is your last chance to make things right before the Lord shuts the door? I just had this thought. You can't live in your past either. You can't live in your past. You can't live off of what you did yesterday. That's in the past. There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. Unless you hurt somebody, you've got to make amends. You can repent and move on. That's it. You can't change what happened yesterday. My God. Don't let yesterday define what you're going to do today. Don't let your mistakes of your past define what God's doing with you right now. You let God define you. and You let God tell you who you are. Not you, not your mistakes, not the enemy. You let God tell you. Revelations 3, 3 and 2. Jesus talking to the church. He said, be watchful. And strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. Man, God, that just, ah. Like I, He said, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If thou, therefore, if therefore thou shalt not watch, so come upon me as a thief. 
and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Jesus, Jesus is crying to us today. He's crying to his church to hold fast to what you know to be true and repent of everything in your life that's not of me. Remember what you've heard and received. And if you won't hear, and if you won't hold fast, and if you won't repent that Jesus says, I will come upon you as a thief, and I will come at a time that you don't know. God, oh God, don't take what God is saying and act as if you'll have another time to do what he's telling you to do. That he'll give you the grace and the mercy to have another chance to take care of what you need to. But receive it as if it was your last time. God's mercy is ever going to touch your life. Receive it as if it was the last time God was ever going to speak to you. Because the next time you come before the door, it just may be shut. That door just may be shut. He said, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, the long suffering of God was there, just like it's here today. And he was long suffering to every person. But there came a day when only eight people got on that boat, and then God shut the door, and everyone else perished. Every other person perished. We don't, like, we don't like talking about God like that. We like to say God is you know, love, mercy, grace, peace, joy, long suffering, tenderness, and he is all that. But there's going to come a day when grace and mercy is removed and judgment. And judgment. Music, you come. He's coming. James 4.13. This is in the, the uh, Amplified. James 4.13 says, Come now and pay attention to this. You who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make a profit, yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. What is secure in your life. You are merely a vapor. You're like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is vis visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast vainly and your pretension and your arrogance all such boasting is evil. What's he talking about? He's saying because you say, oh, we're going to get to do this on another day. We're going to be able to take care of this later. He's saying because you think that way about your life and the things you got in store for your life, that he's saying because of that vain boasting and your pretension and your arrogance that it's evil. It's evil. So any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it to him. It is sin. Oh, God. Oh, God, every time God leads you to do something and you don't do it, you're in sin. Oh, 
I'm not fornicating. You're still in sin. You're in rebellion. I'm not doing this or that, doing this or that. Well, yeah, but God told you to go do that. You're not doing it. God's telling you to get up every morning and pray and you keep pushing it off. You're in sin. If you know to do good and you don't do it, you're in sin. And if God shuts the door, when you in that moment, there's no going back. You can't make it right. You got to live today as if it was your last. I don't know what that means for each of you. You probably know. You probably know the things in your life that you need to do and the things you need to take care of. We know the Holy Ghost, especially if you got the Holy Ghost, he's leading you. Unless you're so bound up in your flesh that you can't even recognize that. But most of us know God's promptings in our life and we know what he's telling us to do and we know what he's calling us to do. We know when we're not doing the word the way we're supposed to. Most of us know. It's probably something different for you than me. I'll tell you what, God has been, oh God, he's just digging in my heart. Making me look at things in my life that I've, he's like, what are you doing? Why do you keep making excuses for that? Why do you keep justifying it? Why do you keep saying it's okay? Don't worry, I'm not cheating my wife. It's just like, what do you, and I'm like, God, I just want to know you more. I want to be right with you more. I don't want to play games. I want to realize my heart, my desire. I want my heart and my desire to be Jesus. Jesus, that's it. That's it, Jesus. Gee, thank you, God, for people in my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children. Thank you for all of your blessings. But I want my heart to be Jesus, 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 and nothing else. If you're here today or if you're listening online and you're hearing this and you've never repented of your sins, you've never been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ, and you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, today is the day of salvation. Get a hold of us. Get a hold of us. We'll lead you. We'll come meet you. We'll do something. We'll get somebody to you to help direct you. Amen. In the name of Jesus, that's your first step. If you've never done that, you have to do that. Do it today. And if you have sin in your life, why don't you get rid of it today? Why don't you let that sin go today? Why don't you let that thing in your life that's holding you back from what God really wants to do with you and in you and through you go because you might not you might not get another day. who's that relationship you got to take care of what's that thing in your life that keeps dragging you around it may not even be sin just wait it might be a wait a distraction what's the distraction of this world that keeps pulling you out you know, the devil, the devil, the devil don't really care for the church to sit around. If he can keep you distracted, he's okay. He don't care if you go to heaven. I mean, he don't want you to, but he don't really care. 
what he really don't want is for you to fulfill the will of God in your life and the calling of God on your life to go out and to be a, a fisherman of men because then it's not just you. You're going to be pulling other people and you're going to be pulling other people and then those people are going to get a hold of it and then they're going to go and call people and he knows if he can keep the church distracted and satisfied and comfortable. He don't care. He'll let you come in here every week. He'll let you come in here every week and worship God. He'll let you go get up every day and pray to your God four hours a day. He'll let you do it. If he can keep you from running out and reaching your friends and reaching your coworkers and reaching the people that God's called you. You're here on assignment, my God. We're here on assignment. We're here to reach this city, my God. But he needs a people, vessels that will be willing to empty themselves out before him and say, here I am, Lord, each and every day, whatever it takes, God. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going to worry about my pride. I'm not going to worry about what people think about me. I'm not going to care what happens. I'm not even going to care about the soul. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to be obedient. If you leave me to go, I'm going to go. I can't make any of you do anything today. Right now, there's people in here. You've got things in your life and you know it. And there's sin in your life and you know it. There's things in your life that God is telling you to do and you keep pushing off and you know it. I can't make you take care of me. God... God won't even make you take care of it. But his grace and his mercy is here for you right now. And it's reaching for you. But that grace and mercy one day is going to go. And you better not take it for granted. You better not take it for granted. You better reach out to God and let him do what he wants to do. With you. What's God speaking to you right now? Why don't you just respond to him? What are you waiting on me to tell you to do it? God, break our flesh, God. Break our pride, God. My God, I don't see how this My God, I don't want to take your grace for granted, God. Oh, come on. He's greater than that thing. Quit thinking about your past and quit thinking about what it's going to look like if you have to give that thing up in your life that you're so attached to. God will give you the strength to do it. The Holy Ghost will give you the strength to do it. Get it out of your life. Oh, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God.